This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. We'll get that worked out eventually. I don't know. It was working the last time we used it. But anyway, we're glad that you're here. And as you can see here, we're talking about living the good life. And uh, our scripture text, I'm going to read it out of Ephesians chapter 2. Of course, we've, I've been reading it out of the Amplified, but I didn't bring my Amplified with me this morning. So <clears throat> let me read it out of the NIV here. He says uh, that God has saved us. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think the Amplified says uh, he he has created a, a good life for us to live. Have you got it there, honey? Ephesians 2.10. Let me read it out of the Amplified. It says here, he says, uh, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. Hallelujah. I like that. He, you know, Jesus is our trailblazer, isn't He? He blazed the trail. Now, you see, if you get off on your own path, you might get in a briar patch and all that other stuff. That's another topic. That we should walk in them, here it is, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Living the good life. God's plan for us is to live a good life. Now, a good life is defined not by the American dream about who accumulates the most stuff. Amen. We've talked about that before because that's, that's for when we say living the good life, you know, some people think, well, you know, I have the biggest house and I drive the nicest car and I got lots of money in the bank and we don't mind if you have all that as long as it doesn't have you. Amen. But that's not the good life that we're talking about. We're talking about belonging to God. We're talking about fulfilling His plan and purpose for our life, walking on that path, living that good life. And today we're going to be talking about a place to belong. A place to belong. In Psalm 68, 6, I'm going to read this out of God's Word's translations. Listen to this. God places lonely people in families. He leads prisoners out of prison into productive lives. And that's really what it's about, isn't it? The gospel is about a message that delivers us from loneliness and isolation, separated from God, separated from others. But it also, it, it also causes us to come out of the prison house that we're in and lead productive lives. I want my life to be productive, don't you? Productive for God and for the kingdom of God. 
productive for his people, productive for my family, productive for my community, and even for my city and my nation. I want to be productive. I want to, and I believe that if we walk these paths that God's prearranged for us, that we will be productive. I didn't say that everybody would know your name. I didn't say that you would be popular. I didn't say that you would be well known. I said that you would be productive. Amen. That's what we're after right now. You know, I was reading and studying the other day. I was looking, uh, you know, and, uh, about this, you know, in the letter there in Revelations to the seven churches, you know, in Asia. Did you know that the physical location of all those uh, seven churches are still there, but the place where they met is not there? In other words, a church building like this, it's not there anymore. But, you know, so here's the thing. But you know what? Their message has reached down through the centuries to us. They, because they led productive lives, didn't mean that, you know, the church building or the structure they made in was there, but the church continued. The message continued. The kingdom continued right on down to us. And so if we'll be faithful and lead productive lives that God's called us to, the same will happen. But first... We need to what? We need to come out of the prison houses ourselves. Now, there's a lot of different prison houses that we could talk about, but I just want to look at look at three this morning. Uh, in Genesis two eighteen, God said this. He said, "It is not good that man should be alone." And it, you know, it's it's not good to be alone, is it? It's not. It's good. It's not good to be. You may be single, but that doesn't mean you have to be alone. Are you listening to me? There's a big difference between being single and being alone. Just because you're single, that doesn't mean you're alone. I mean, you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then you should also have the family of God. And you may also belong to your own particular family. But you are not to be alone. He says He places the lonely in families and He brings prisoners out of the prison house. Some of the prison houses, one of them that we, we all may deal with is rejection. Anybody ever been rejected? Boy, yeah. You know, Jesus was not a stranger to rejection. You know, if you read over there in Isaiah, the prophet 53 says he was rejected and ridiculed by men. You know, rejection comes to all of us. Maybe it's been members of your own household. Maybe it's been a church that you belonged to before. Maybe it's been somebody, one of your peers or somebody that has rejected you. When you're rejected, I want to tell you what, it hurts, doesn't it? Sure it does. Come on, let's be real in church. Don't lie in church. Don't lie anywhere, but don't lie in church. <laughs> don't, it, it hurts when you're rejected. I've been rejected. It hurts. We like to be accepted, but you know why? Because God made us to be part of a family. He made us that way. And so when we feel rejected, uh, we're hurt, but also we lose a sense of value. It's like, well, well why are they rejecting me? I'm, I'm, I thought I was a nice person. I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get along with people. I'm trying to love people, and yet they rejected me. Why, why would people reject me? I'm pretty wonderful. Now, you might not just say it like that, but, you know, none of us like to be. But, you know, when we're rejected, 
you know, we're hurt, but also we can feel anger. We can feel anger. And then not only anger, but we can feel fear that maybe something's wrong with me. So if they rejected me, maybe somebody else is going to. So we tend to withdraw. We don't let people really see who we are or what we're about because we're afraid we're going to be rejected again, especially if we're rejected by someone that was close to us, a family member, maybe a brother or sister in the body of Christ. All of a sudden, we begin to fear that, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not worthy to be loved. There must be something really wrong with me. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to build that anger and that hurt and that fear, and he wants you to become isolated. A prison house is about being isolated. And that's what, he, that's what the, the devil wants to do. He wants to isolate you from the family of God. He wants to isolate you from your own family. He wants to create hurts in there. And one of the ways he does that is rejection. And we need to understand that this is a prison house. If you're dealing with rejection, then this is a prison house that God wants to bring you out of. He wants to deliver you from it. And He wants you to reconnect again with family, with the family of God, and with your own family to be reconciled. Isn't the Scriptures, isn't the Gospel all about reconciliation? You know, man, you know, God never rejected us. The Bible gives us clear understanding it was man through Adam. We rejected God, didn't we? God never rejects anybody. He never has rejected anybody. And He never will reject anybody. If anybody is separated from God, it's because, what, they've rejected Him. Come on. Thank you for those two nods and one holy grunt. It's a rejection. We lose our sense of value when we're, we feel rejected. God wants to restore that. We're going to talk about how to restore these things. But when we're rejected, you're feeling anger, you're feeling hurt, and more importantly, you're feeling that fear, and it separates you, it isolates you. That's what the enemy wants to do because you're easily defeated when you're isolated. You're much easier to defeat when you're isolated. Look over in Ecclesiastes over there. I'm sure you probably already know this Scripture, but let's look over there at it anyway. In Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9, he said, Two are better than one. Isn't that true? Would you rather have $200 or $100? I mean, any way you want to slice it, two's better than one, isn't it? Two's better than one. So it's good to be connected with someone. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This is exactly where the enemy wants to maneuver you and I. Into a place of isolation. Into a place where we, we feel uh, we, we've withdrawn, withdrawn because we were hurt. Because we were angry. Because we've been rejected. So we withdraw. I know there's lots of Christians that are sitting at home this morning for this very reason. And I don't say that to be critical. I'm telling you what. You know, we need to cherish our POWs in the body of Christ. 
our MIAs missing in action in the body of Christ. You know, now, I grew up, of course, my dad was in World War II when I grew up, uh, you know, and, and I was of age, it was Vietnam. But, you know, the, I was old enough then, I'm sure it was true in every war, but we really became aware, Vietnam, then, uh, you know, the Iraq war and all, POWs, I mean, the prisoners of wars and those missing in action, I mean, did you, you didn't hear anybody get on TV and say, what's the matter with those POWs? Why don't they just come home? Well, you'd think they'd lost their mind. But in the body of Christ, if they're POW, oh man, what's the matter with them people? I'll tell you what, they're going straight to hell. They're going to bust hell wide open. And some people even want to help them. From their attitude, listen, if they're prisoners, if they're missing in action, it's because the enemy, many times, he, they're prisoners of war. They're in a prison house. It may be rejection. And they've been isolated. And they're hurting. They need our help. They need our support. They need our prayers. They need our love. They need our mercy. God wants to bring them out of the prison house. And He wants to use you and I to do it. A second one that's a prison house that's a biggie is betrayal. Betrayal, we lose our sense of trust. Well, if you've ever been betrayed or felt betrayed, you know, that, that is a wound. And if it's somebody that's close to you, like a family member or, or maybe a part of the family of God, it hurts, doesn't it? Maybe you felt betrayed by, by, by a church leader, you know? You know, I, what was it? I think there's a, a football team. I think it's Duke or somebody. They call it the Deacon Demons. <laughs> wonder where they got that name from. <laughs> not all deacons are demons. We're not saying that. But you, people can be hurt. Sometimes it's, it may be by the pastor. It may be just by somebody else. But, you know, you feel betrayed. You lose trust. All of a sudden you draw back again in fear. You're afraid to trust people. Maybe you were abused by a parent, by a dad or a mom. All of a sudden, you, you felt betrayed. You don't wanna, you're not going to trust anybody anymore. You're not going to trust an authoritative figure. You're not going to trust a man or you're not going to trust a woman or whoever it might be. That's what the enemy wants to do to get you isolated again. Because he said, when you're isolated, you're much easier to defeat. We're talking about living the good life. But it's hard to live the good life when you're in prison. If you don't believe that, go with our, get, be a part of our prison team. We have a prison team here that goes, you're going today, right? Is it today? It's the fourth time. And ask any of them if that's living the good life there. Now, those that know Jesus, they have joy in their heart. But I'll tell you what, they're still looking forward to the day they get out of prison. And so that you can't live the good life if you have this sense of betrayal about you, that you've been hurt, that you're suspicious, that you won't... Trust anyone. And I want to tell you what, it affects even your trust in the Heavenly Father. Amen? Because some people, as soon as you hear the word Father, if you were abused by a father, you're like, mm. and you want me to give my whole life to, to the Father? You want me to trust the Father? I, here's what my father did to me. Listen, I know I, my father... He was an alcoholic. He was abusive. I mean, you know, he didn't hold a job. And finally, he, you know, he just left us. 
You know, you might not understand this unless you've been in that situation, but that was the greatest day in the world. My mom didn't get beat up anymore. We didn't get beat up. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> you know? You say, boy, but wasn't it hard? Yeah, but it was hard before. <laughs> now it was hard with a little less pain. But you know, I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to feel like you're betrayed. And you, you lose that sense of trust. But God wants us to come out of that prison house. He wants you out of that prison house. And then a third one that I want to just mention this morning is misunderstanding. You ever been misunderstood? And I mean, boy, you try so hard to explain yourself and they're just like, talk to the hand. And, I'm, and I mean, you know in your heart, you know, what your intention was. But, you know, somehow it got all, you know, lost in translation, as they say. And, and somehow, you know, they assigned, you know, a motive to what you said when that motive, you know, in your heart, that motive wasn't there, but there was misunderstanding. We've done it ourselves. We've misunderstood others. We've been misunderstood by others. And misunderstanding brings about division and loss of unity. Boy, have we seen that in a church. I told you before, you know, I've never heard of a church split because somebody said, you know what? You guys are just, I mean, y'all got it together. You are so close to God. You're so doing the will of God. We don't want to get in your way. So we're just going to withdraw over here so that we don't hinder you. No, I've heard every church split. Really, if you could just boil it down, it, a lot of it was just flat out a misunderstanding. And the devil wants to do that. He wants this half to be mad at that half. He wants the Catholics to be mad, you know, at, at the Protestants. And he wants the, you know, the full gospel people to be full of pride and mad at some other group. And he just got us all yakking at one another. Because of misunderstandings. And all of these are prison houses. And we read there in Psalm 68, it says, He leads prisoners out of prison into productive lives. And so, since we're talking about living the good life, talking about the good life that is as God intended, we can't do that in prison. Wouldn't we all agree? And so, I, I would be surprised if there weren't some people in, this house, in, in, in Passion Church meeting with us this morning that you're not experiencing the prison house of one of these areas, maybe more than one. So let's talk about getting out because, you know, of course, it's, you have to understand where you are before you can get out. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, if you go to see the doctor and the doctor says, what's wrong with you? And you say, well, I'd really rather not say. I mean, can't you just figure it out without me having to just tell you? I really don't want to tell you that I've got a pain here. You need to go to the vet. Because they're used to treating people that can't talk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know that. I'm not. Don't go, get, don't go with a misunderstanding there. But, you know, but, but we don't think anything about that, do we? If we, if we went to a financial uh, advisor for help, I mean, we'd have to just lay it out there and say, this is how it is. Isn't that right? So we first have to admit, I can't, you know what? I'm in a prison house. And it may not be a, 
a, a prison house that you did. Maybe you were rejected. Maybe you were betrayed. Maybe there was misunderstanding. But nevertheless, if you're in prison, you're in prison. Isn't that right? And we want to come out of it. So how do we do that? It starts very simply by living the love life. Come over to 1 Corinthians. Oh, you thought, boy, the pastor's going to lay hands on me. And he's going to have a super-duper-duper, super-duper-duper, double-quadruple-duper anointing. Boy, if you can add all those up. But see, in full gospel circles, now listen, we believe in that. We believe in laying on of hands. We believe that God sets people free that way. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of these prison houses, we can't be set free until we let go of some things. That's where it comes to living this life of love is absolutely essential. 1 Corinthians 13. Now, don't turn me off just because you've heard this before. Because the Holy Spirit has a way of you hearing something. You may be hearing it for the 50th time or the 100th time, but the Holy Spirit has a way of showing you something in a particular time and a particular need of your life that can be the difference in your life can make a difference verse 4 love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs oh boy mm. now see he's talking to the church here, born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians. Just wanted to make sure, you know, because, you know, we're so sure we're sanctified at a higher level. Okay, sanctified people. It keeps no record of wrongs. Are you keeping a record of wrongs? Mm, That'll keep you in prison. Are you listening? You see, some people keep nursing and rehearsing what happened to them. They said this, they did this, they did this to me. This, it wasn't fair, it wasn't fair, it wasn't fair. Well, welcome to the human race. Anybody had anything that wasn't fair this week? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, sister. I raised one leg, too. Sure. But that, that listen, you know, I you can say, well, you know, I'm in pain and it's not fair. Why should I be in pain? But that doesn't get you better. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. We're talking about coming out of the prison house. Love never fails. So here's the thing. Knowing I'm loved enables me to love others. And how do I love others? This way. Listen, in our culture, you know, uh, you know, Love, you know, it's, it's got all kinds of shades of meaning, doesn't it, when we say love. And in our culture, a lot of times it has been uh, diluted down to mean some kind of feeling. Well, it's good to have some kind of feeling, if it's the right feeling. <laughs> Amen. But love's not about a feeling. Love is about a choice. Love is about a decision. Love is about an action. You say, yeah, but, you know, some Christians, they won't do anything until they feel a certain way. If I feel like it, I go to church. If I feel like it, I'll pray. If I feel like it, I'll forgive them. 
Well, I got news for you. The source of your feelings is going to keep you locked up in the prison house for the rest of your life. Because my flesh don't feel like forgiving. My flesh don't feel like praying. Come on. Oh, but you're the pastor. I know it. <laughs> I realize that. <laughs> but you, that's why I can't go by feelings. So if you wait till you feel better, then you're going to do something about the betrayal, about the misunderstanding, about the rejection. You, honey, you're going to stay there. Love is a decision. I decide, you know what I decide? I decide to be patient with those people. I decide I'm going to be kind to those people. Yeah, but I don't feel. Get over your feelings. I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just, they, I'm telling you, I just can't get around him or her. They just make me so mad. We'll get over it. Start loving. Start loving. Amen. Aren't you glad God's not moved with feelings about you? <laughs> now, we're excluding all of you that are perfect, but the rest of us, I'm glad that God's not moved by feelings. He's moved by love, isn't He? So knowing I'm in love enables me to love others. Knowing I'm forgiven enables me to forgive others. Look in Matthew 18. We're going to read this. You're probably familiar with it. But we're going to get right down to it anyway. Matthew 18. And we're going to begin with verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and he began to settle. He began the settlement. A man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold. Talk about in a prison house. Now I didn't mention this prison house, but boy, he was in one of debt, wasn't he? Talk about it. Ten thousand bags. What would ten thousand bags of gold be worth? I mean, you're not going to pay that out on the installment plan. You won't live that long. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he be sold to repay the debt. Of course, they weren't going to raise, he wasn't going to raise 10,000 bags of gold with that, was he? At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Oh, really? Oh, really? You're going to pay back 10,000 bags of gold? I don't think so. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Oh, my gosh. Woo, don't you know he had some feelings? Don't you know he was happy? Don't you know he was glad? Don't you know he was rejoicing? Woo, and he went out to spread the wealth, didn't he? Not. How much debt did you owe God? A lot more than 10,000 bags of gold, wasn't it? The Bible says that our debt couldn't be paid with silver or gold, but only with the precious blood of the Lamb of God who was spotless. Isn't that right? He said, no, and you're not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold. So we, what we owed was a debt that, that there was no way we could pay it. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
Now, isn't that what our hurts declare? Somebody owes me something. I've been hurt. I've been rejected. I've been misunderstood. It wasn't my fault. There's, they owe me a debt. They owe me a hundred silver coins. They owe me. I, I know they do. I can feel it. I, the, you know, this is going to get right when they pay me back. When they, they tell me they're sorry. When they say they, when they come and ask for forgiveness. When they do all that. Then, that's the hundred silver coins. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into the prison until he could pay the debt. Boy, so many people, that's how they're living. They just had 10,000 bags of gold debt forgiven them by the love and grace of God. And yet, those hundred silver coins of rejection, those hundred silver coins of misunderstanding, of betrayal, is separating them and keeping them locked up in the prison house of hurt and anger, mistrust. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. Woo. I don't want the Lord calling me wicked. Why did he call him wicked? He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So in the context here, when he called him wicked, it was because what? He wouldn't forgive. It wasn't because he was, you know, drinking and dipping snuff and kicking the cat. No, what? He called him wicked, what? Because he would not forgive as he had been forgiven. And notice what happened. He said, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, here's the kicker. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. I didn't say that Jesus did sin red. Don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. See, we can't come out of our prison house until we release those who've put us there. And the only way to do that is to walk in love. If you walk by your feelings, you'll never do it. I promise you, you'll never do it. Your feelings will always say, it's wrong, it's wrong, I was done wrong, I'm hurt, I'm not going to trust anybody again, I, you know, this is it, I'm not going to trust any man again, I'm not going to trust this person again, I, you're not getting me back in church. So when we cancel debts, we let go of our own hurts. That's how we come out of the prison house. That's how we come out. Look in, you're right there real close, real quickly. Matthew 6, Jesus reiterated this in another place here. He said, verse 14, he said, right after he, he had given us what we call the Lord's Prayer, or the, you know, the, the pattern of prayer. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, 
I need some forgiveness. He said, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. Well, you know, I, I don't want, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. This is, this is way over my pay grade, but I give this to you for your consideration. What happens if you go to the grave with those things? I don't know. That's, like I said, that's over my pay grade. But I sure don't want to risk it, do you? I, I want to forgive. I'm just going to forgive everybody, everything, everywhere. Boy, I'm not going to hold on to anything because I'm telling you what, I want to make sure my slate's clean. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know what? I ain't got time to worry about, you know, the speck in other people's eyes. I want to make sure I keep the plank out of mine. The best way to do that, Jesus said, is to forgive, isn't it? Is to forgive. Listen. We want the person who created this hurt to come back and fix it when we refuse to forgive. That's really what we're saying. I want this person to come back and, and you know, when they fix it, then I will do something. What if that person has already died? How are they going to come back and fix it? Maybe it was a parent. They're already gone. Maybe it was an uncle. Maybe it was a grandfather. Maybe it was somebody that, maybe it was a, a pastor that's already gone on. How's he going to come back and fix it? He can't come back and fix it, can he? He absolutely can. So we choose to come out of our prison house. Choice precedes feelings. I choose to what? Walk in love. I choose to forgive. I choose to be patient, to be kind, to keep no account of the wrong suffered to me. I choose not to let a misunderstanding separate me from a brother or sister. You know why? Because I forgive them. What a mighty power the body of Christ would be if we got a hold of this. And they were talking about living the good life. And this is the good life. We choose to come out of our prison house by making a decision, and we reconnect to our family when we make a decision to walk in love. I forgive. And not only that, when we walk in love consistently, the devil cannot separate us from our family. Because no matter what you do, I'm going to forgive you. And I'm not going to keep a, an account of the wrong you did to me. I'm not going to nurse it and rehearse it and, you know, and go tell everybody, you know, pray for brother so-and-so. He did this to me. He needs prayer. You big old gossiper. Amen. We forgive and we let it go, don't we? We choose to love. Yeah, but I feel, yeah, your feelings will catch up with your choice. They will. Your feelings will catch up with your choice. Amen? Let me give you some action points. We're going to have communion together here in just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Are you a prisoner of loneliness? In other words, has woundedness separated you from family? Maybe your own personal family or the family of God. That maybe, maybe it's not one I mentioned. But these are three biggies, though. But whatever it is, you need to recognize that. It's not a matter of you coming to tell me, but you need to be honest with God. You need to be honest in your heart and say, God, you know, I'm just mad. I mean, you know, it, when you tell Him, it's not when He found out that you were mad. But he, there's something about us acknowledging something that is, is very important in breaking its power in our life. 
said, God, you know what? I am mad. You know, I, I am angry. I am hurt because I was rejected. I was betrayed. I was done wrong. And I, I, I don't like it. And then God's going to help you to get out of it by what? By forgiving that person. Remember, forgiveness is not about feeling. It's about a decision. It's a decision. And you can choose today to come out of the prison house or you can stay in it. It's up to you. Well, I'll tell you. You know, you, human beings, we're amazing. Even in the fall, we're amazing, aren't we? Isn't it amazing what your body can, can, can tolerate? You know? Some of us ha had to cope with pain or other things. It's amazing what your body can tolerate. It's amazing what your human psyche can tolerate. You know, some people go all their life living with bitterness and anger and hurt and woundedness. And you know they're not living the good life. You know there's no joy in that. But it's amazing how we can, we can, we can over the process of time, we can learn to cope with it. Even though we're not happy, you know, it's what we know. Well, you know. And I've, I've talked with people and... And, and tried to help people. And, and you know, and they admitted they were, they were miserable. They were, they were hurting. They had no joy. They, uh, you know, this thing that they were bitter and they were angry and they didn't like it. But they didn't want to give it up. They were like Pharaoh with the frogs. Remember? The, the, the frogs, when the, you know, one of the plagues with the frogs. And, and he sent for Moses. You know, they, there were frogs everywhere. Frogs in Pharaoh's bed. Frogs in the bed, bed chamber. Frogs in the, in the bathroom. Frogs on the floor. Frogs in the kitchen. Everywhere. Pharaoh had frogs. He said, send for Moses. Moses came. Moses says, okay, I'm here. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, get rid of the frogs. Moses said, well, when do you want me to get rid of them? He said, tomorrow. I know he wasn't Pharaoh by, because he got voted in. Because that was a dumb decision. D-U-M, dumb. Wasn't it? Why would you want to wait till tomorrow? And we think that's, we think, we think, you know, why would he do that? But, you know, I've, I've seen Christians that's like that. Well, one of these days, you just said tomorrow. And, you know, it's a strange thing. You know what, uh, what keeps coming and coming but never gets here? Because when it gets here, it's today, and you're still saying tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, isn't it? It's the day of being free. Well, we're going to, right now, as part of our, our altar call and part of our getting free of this, we're going to partake in communion. If you did not get any of the, uh, the elements on your way, if you raise your hand, the ushers will bring you some elements. And I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to do something here to release forgiveness today. And I can't think of a better way and a better time to do it than through partaking of the Lord's table. Amen? While you're getting prepared there, let me read some Scripture. He said, Paul said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed oh boy there it is jesus knows about betrayal i mean on of course we know about judas he betrayed him 30 pieces of silver but you know what all the all the apostles fled from him peter denied him 
And Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed, but on the night he was betrayed, notice what he did. He, he said, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. At that moment, even though he knew he was dining with those who would betray him, he said, I want you to be in covenant relationship with me. He says, I'm going to give my all for you. Why did he do it? Because he loved them, didn't he? And you know, he didn't just do it for them. He did it for us too, didn't he? Anybody besides me, you've been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold? He said, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Now listen to this next verse very carefully. So then, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Not only the literal body of Christ that hung on Calvary is he talking about, but he's also talking about discerning his spiritual body. And I say to you, saints of God, that if you have ought against anyone, if they have betrayed you, if they have rejected you, if they have hurt you in any way, before you partake of the Lord's table with these elements get it right get it right i want us to just take a moment just bow your heads and just between you and god you make an altar right there in your heart it's not about a feeling you you may feel angry you you may feel mad you may feel hurt it's not about a feeling it's about a decision and you make an altar right there and say god right now By faith, God, it's not by feeling, it's by faith. I forgive them. I forgive the one who hurt me. I forgive the one who abused me. I forgive the one who betrayed me. I forgive. Whatever it might be right now, just as an act of faith, forgive those their hundred coins of silver. Forgive them. Come out of the prison house and let it go. Father, freely we've been forgiven. And so now freely we forgive. We release it. We say they owe us no debt. They know us, they owe us no correction. They owe us nothing. We're not going to wait for them to come back and set it right. We're going to come out of our prison house today by the power of your body, by the power of your blood, by the power of your love that you demonstrated at Calvary. Take the bread there, the way for the bread in your hand. Father, thank you for the broken body of Jesus. It was broken for our sin. It was broken for our transgressions. And the Bible says by His stripes, 
we are healed. Healed of our pain. Healed and delivered from our prison house. Thank you, Father, for the precious body of Jesus. We discern not only this representation of His body here in our hand, but the body of Christ. We're going to love our brothers and sisters. We're not going to be isolated, but we're going to be connected by the broken body. Let's eat together. Thank you, Father, for the broken body of Jesus. That by His stripes there's healing. Healing for our body. Peace for our minds. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, it's so good to be released from the prison house. Father, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. His hands, His feet, the thorns pressed in His brow, the spear in His sides, the blood that came down. Father, you said that that blood washed away all of our sins and that you would remember them no more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So good to be forgiven. It's so good to come out of the prison house of sin and shame. So good to know joy and peace. And we thank you. It's because of your precious blood. We partake of it now. We remember the everlasting covenant that we have with you. We are yours and you are ours. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the precious blood of the Lamb. If you're here today and you know that it's not just about somebody else, but also you know that your heart's just not right with God. It's just not right. You know, I had a good friend of mine. He used to be my dope dealer. He got saved. You know, and people told me I was a sinner. And, you know, I really did. I don't know. I don't understand these people that are just, man, they're so something special that they got to be convinced that they're a sinner. I mean, as soon as they told me, I knew they were right. I didn't like it, but I knew they were right. But, you know, if, you're, you know, if your life's not right with God, it's not where it ought to be. Don't leave this place today without making it right. Two things to receive the free gift of salvation then we're going to let you go in just a moment. First of all, the Bible says repent. Now, I know that's not a popular word today. But you know, Jesus, the first message he ever preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's what I tell you. Repent for salvation is at hand. Repent just sensibly means to turn from the way you were living, the way you were thinking, and turn and move toward God in his way and His way of thinking, and His way of living. Amen? You cannot go two directions at the same time. It's impossible. So, I'm going my way to receive God's free gift. I have to turn and go His way. It's called repentance. The second thing is just this, simply. If you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and will confess with your mouth 
Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll be saved. Anybody can do it. God's no respecter of persons. If you, want, if you want somebody to pray with you after we're dismissed, I'll be up here. Our prayer team will be up here. We'll be very glad to pray with you about anything. Not just that, but about anything. Amen. God wants us to live the good life. He doesn't want us to leave this place in a prison house. He wants you to be free. Whom the Son sets free, free indeed. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.